for the spirit of the Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Starting next Sunday, we're going to start a six-week series that's going to take us all the way up to Pentecost. Um, and I've, I've mentioned it just a little bit. I gave you a quick little blurb, but uh, the Church of the Nazarene is calling all Nazarenes in the U.S. and Canada. There's about 500,000 Nazarenes in U.S. and Canada. And so what they're calling this initiative, it's called the Half Million Mobilization. Basically, they're asking that between, between May 1st and Pentecost Sunday, that we would dedicate... Um, our services and our time together as times of prayer, seeking the Lord, asking God, what's next? What does it look like? What, what do you have for us? And so we'll start into that next week. Well, every day for those 40 or so days, there are uh, guided prayers and a prayer journal, actually, that the denomination has put out. And so we're going to highly, highly recommend and suggest that you follow that with us. Um, we do have some printed um, they've already sold out, but we had a generous donation. Someone here has printed them. Uh, so we do have some printed copies, but it's also going to be available online. And it's also going to be an, available in an app. Um, if you just look up the Half Million Mobilization app, it will remind you every day to read through it, to pray, and then it asks for response. It says, how do you feel the Spirit leading the church? And, and I won't get that response but the general church will get that response from people all over the U.S. and Canada and begin to see maybe some what spirit is guiding us all. So, so we're going to dive into that next week and, and, and heavily lean into prayer as we look forward to Pentecost and being a people of Pentecost filled with the Spirit. So just wanted to let you know that that's available. Um, and online, the website is usacanadaregion.com slash pray. Um, so go ahead and look into it. Um, Figure out which format's going to work best for you, but if you would like a printed copy, please let me know. We have those um, available. But since we just have one week between last week being Easter and next week we're going to dive into this journey of prayer together, I wanted to take a journey back into the Old Testament today. And, and although, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot offering. Before we get there, if, if the ushers would come forward, giving is an important part of what we do too. Yeah. Well, see, I, I wouldn't have got too far but before Gerald said, hey, we've, we've got to do this. But if the ushers would come forward, again, we're not pausing to, to, to give, but it's an act of worship and something. We're still participating in worship through our giving. Lord, we ask now that you would bless these tithes and these offerings. Lord, will we give out of abundance and give out of scarcity today? Lord, where we don't have much, help us to give. And where we have, help us to give. And Lord, we just ultimately ask that these gifts would be stewarded well and used for your kingdom. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. So next Sunday... What? No, just kidding. So we just have one week between this Easter and then our journey toward Pentecost. So today we're going to go back to the Old Testament. And I'm going to preach an entire book of Scripture today. Nobody's like hooped and hollered. Uh, but, to, but today we're going to be in the smallest book in the Old Testament. Now everyone's excited. Yay, the smallest, shortest book. Does anybody know what it is? Obadiah. Yep, yep. It is Obadiah. Old Testament, yeah. Obadiah, although... It is a book, it's only 20 chap 21 verses, and it only has one chapter. But Obadiah, can anybody honestly say they've read Obadiah in the last year? 
All right, so a few people, yeah. I, I don't know that I could honestly say that I've opened and read from Obadiah in the last year, but um, so for this, I did a lot of reading and, and studying on this, but Obadiah is, is one of the 12 minor prophets. Now, don't really get caught up on that term. It's, that's just some, uh, a way that the, the prophets have been categorized. It doesn't mean that he's significant. Uh, I wish it was a different word, because for us, minor just means like, eh. You know, you're not major, you're just minor, but, so don't get hung up on that. The name Obadiah, his name actually means worshiper of Yahweh. Pretty good name. So, so this, this reading that we have today is from a worshiper of Yahweh, a believer, somebody that is proclaiming that Yahweh is Lord. So let us hear the word of the Lord today, starting verse 1 of Obadiah. Would you stand with me? We're, we're just going to read to verse 14, and we'll read the second half later, so... Um, But we're going to start in verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the Sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, Who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not sell only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Teman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and forced his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not gloat over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity. In the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. I know it might sound crazy, but today for us, this is the word of the Lord, and we can say, Thanks be to God. You can be seated. I don't know if you were blessed by that scripture this morning, but. Essentially, this is a prophecy of the, for the people of Edom. Do you know the Edomites? Do you remember who they are? You remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Back all the way in Genesis, chapters 30 and about the next 10 chapters, we get hints of Jacob and Esau. Well, if you're unfamiliar, Jacob and Esau were brothers. They're actually twins, and, and, and Esau came out first. And Jacob came out, as the scripture says, holding his heel. And so that's the name Jacob actually means heel holder or something along those lines. But 
Jacob and Esau were brothers, but they really couldn't be much more different from one another. And their father had grown old. And so Isaac was old in, in, the, in the bed in his old age. And, um, and, and Jacob, he, he was kind of a trickster. And so he thought, I would love Esau's birthright. Because he was the firstborn, he had the birthright, he got the inheritance, all that good stuff. So Esau returns from hunting one day, and he's so hungry that Jacob says, Hey, I've made this stew. You can have, all the, you can have this bowl of stew if you give me your birthright. Well, Esau was so hungry that he just caved and he said, sure, yeah, whatever, I'll take the birthright. That sounds great. Give me the stew. Well, so now Jacob gets his inheritance because he sneaks in to, the, to his dad and he, and he puts on hairy uh, sheep wool so that his, his dad, who's, hard to see, who's had a hard time seeing, can feel and he can tell that he's, he's, he feels like Esau, the hairy guy. Um, and so he tricks him and, and Jacob gets the birthright. Well, Jacob and Esau then separate. Uh, they, they go off to different lands, and, and eventually Jacob sends Esau peace offerings, and he realizes how wrong he was, and, um, and, and, and a part of that was Jacob wrestling with God. Do we remember this? Everybody familiar with this? Jacob wrestles with God for the night as he's trying to make good with Esau, his brother. And at the end of that wrestling match... God looks at Jacob and said, No longer will you be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. Good job, yeah. Israel. And so, Israel literally means one who wrestles with God. And so, then Jacob makes it to Esau, and Esau's like, Bro, it's all good. I love you. I forgive you. This is great. So, so they make peace with one another. But after a while, after some generations... There's growing hatred between the Israelites and the Edomites. And so the Israelites, the people of God that, that we know about, that, that wandered through the wilderness, that were in exile, that were under Pharaoh, we, we remember this, right? The, so there was that group of people. But then over here we have the Edomites. And so the book of Obadiah is, is a prophecy that's written to the Edomites. God tells the Edomites that it is the pride that will destroy them. The Edomites, you see, they had this mentality that they were bigger and that they were badder than everyone else, that they were the top dog. But, but the Lord says in this prophecy that you will be humbled by destruction. Not only will they be destroyed, but those that they are eating in an inappropriate manner will also be destroyed. This means that those who've been born into this group and were taught to believe the destruction of the, that destruction of the other is fine that they're going to be destroyed too. You see, Edom, the scripture tells us that Edom threw a serious party when the Israelites were displaced from the promised land. The Edomites were like, yeah, that's good stuff. Or they, they threw a big party when they got to attack the Israelites. Yeah, that was good stuff. We got some of those Israelites. It's pretty easy for us to consider the Edomites as bad guys, right? I mean, this is fairly simple. They were destroying, they hated the Israelites. I mean, how dare they just assume that they're the best? How dare they enjoy the destruction of the other? How dare they lead so many people in the wrong ways and teachings? I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but on January 10th of this year, there was a football game, and it was played in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
And uh, it, it was just a, a little football game that took place between the Georgia Bulldogs and that team from Tuscaloosa. And if you're unaware of what happened, Georgia won and they're reigning national champions. But you see, that game had some added significance. Because Georgia had not beaten Alabama since 2007. I was in diapers. I was not really in diapers in 2007. Quick math will tell you that. But it had been a long time since Georgia beat Alabama. Also, Alabama in the last 10 years or so has just dominated college football. If they're not number one, they're number two. If they don't go undefeated, they only lose one game. And so a lot of people across the country are just kind of tired of that. No matter who, what team you like, everyone's just kind of like, can it just be somebody else for once? Well, while, while one loss to Georgia doesn't send Alabama to the bottom of the totem pole by any means, most of the country was glad to watch Alabama go down. Millions of people across the country watch that game, and they care nothing about Georgia. They just didn't want Alabama to win, and they wanted to watch just in case Alabama went down. The victory was sweet, but the opponent made it so much sweeter. This is the attitude of the Edomites, all right? Because I feel like we all just, uh, most of us in this room were that, and we were like, yeah, that was sweet, watching Alabama go down. This is what the Edomites thought like, all right? They like taking over people. But when it's the Israelites, mm, it's just even better. Not only do they get success, but their arch rival gets failure. So I'm going to read the second half of Obadiah for us, starting in verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble and they will set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau, and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelites, Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sephard will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. I know this is a lot, but please try to stay with me here. The day of the Lord is near. Also, verse 15 gives us something that we often call the golden rule. Like Jesus taught us this years and years later. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, Obadiah tells the Edomites, as you have done to others, it will be done to you. It's going to happen. That's not good news for the Edomites. 
The Edomites had partied hard when they hurt Israel. They had partied hard when Israel was removed from the promised land. Now they will drink so much that it will be as if they had not been born. They will be unable to function. But verse 17 is hope for the Israelites. The day is coming when the house of Jacob will overtake the others. Those who belong to Esau will be displaced and they will be no more. Then verse 19 gives even more hope to the Israelites. They will repossess the promised land in the areas that they were displaced from. Then verse 21 brings it all home for us and it says the Israelites will get their land back. They will, but the kingdom is the Lord's. So now we've walked through Obadiah as as quickly as I could. Now I want to look at three aspects here. First, are you, am I, are we, are we like the Edomites? Are we running around in hoping destruction for the other? What we are seeing today from Russia toward the Ukraine, that's the Edomite way. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm better, and I don't like you, so I'd love to see you go down. Not only do we want success, but we also want failure for our enemy, because that's just so much sweeter. We can easily fall into the trap that we have it all figured out, that we are the best. We have nothing to learn, and everyone else is just strictly in the way. Lord, help us. Second, the day of the Lord. What does this mean for the Israelites? What does this mean for the Edomites? Well, for the Israelites, that is the day that they can't wait to see come to fruition. It's the time that they will be in power again. For the the Edomites, the day of the Lord is bad, bad news. See, the day of the Lord for them is the day that the party is over and the judgment will be brought. And the text is clear that they will be destroyed. The day of the Lord is near. It is approaching. It was near in the day of Obadiah and it is near to us today. The new Jerusalem will be a place where there is no room for anything outside of the way of the Lord. Do you remember how I said that that Jacob was renamed Israel? And that, that that literally means to wrestle with God. Well, if that is the case, and the people of God really are the Israelites, and, and we want to be a part of that, then we have to be a people that wrestle with God. A people who take what is happening in the world today, and take what Scripture tells us and what the Spirit is leading us to, And when we bring those two together, we begin to wrestle them together. When we wrestle with God, you know how close we have to be? I mean, think about if you've ever watched WWE wrestling. I know some of you watch it more than others. But wrestling doesn't work with social distancing in place. It just doesn't. I can't fight you from six feet away. I can't fight you from ten feet away. To truly wrestle, we have to be close and touch and feel and be able to grab onto and hold on and roll around. To wrestle with God, we've got to be close to God. (laughs) 
We can't just be a mile and a half away and say, Lord, what do you, what do you want? We've got to, to, to be in the Word and be in the Spirit and be in prayer and, and wrestling with the things of God. So we can take those into the world that we live in and say, how? What do we do now? That's the closest that God really desires from us. God, God, God wants us to continually be wrestling through these things. Because that means that we're always aware that there's another story than what the world has to offer. Number three. We're going to land this plane here. I know it's kind of been a little all over the place. But I want you to think with me. What is this book that we just read? Obadiah, it's not the foretelling of something that has now already happened. You know, all those Old Testament scriptures that talk about the Messiah coming, we can read those knowing that it's been fulfilled, right? So we're reading the prophecy and we're reading the fulfillment. That's not what Obadiah is. Obadiah is a prophecy that we have yet to see fulfilled in fullness. It's not a story about past events. It's a story about what will happen. Obadiah is a prophecy that speaks and is currently happening right now in our world. And it tells us what is to come. I hope this helps us paint a picture of who God is. At first glance, somebody that that doesn't know anything about Scripture, if they just picked up Obadiah and read it, they would think, man, that God is just mean. Just terrible. The destruction? How could a loving God do that? If that is all that we see, then I'm afraid that we've missed the entire point of Obadiah's prophecy. This book is 110% about redemption. This telling of an event to come is not something that the Israelites got to read and be encouraged by. This was written to the Edomites. It was written to the bad guys. It wasn't written to the Israelites to say, hey, just hang in there and your enemy's going down. But the, the, the beginning says that this is a prophecy for the Edomites to warn them of what is to come. This book is a gift of grace from God to the one doing the exact opposite of what God wants. The good news of the book of Obadiah for the Edomites is that the day of the Lord is near, but it hasn't come yet. So there is still time for redemption. If you identify today with the Edomites and you're really having this attitude that everyone just annoys you and you just want to see everyone else suffer, just your enemies get out of the way, be made low, there is redemption available. If you see yourself as an Israelite in this story, please be aware that the day of the Lord is coming, but it's not here yet. And you know what that means? It means that more Edomites are going to become Israelites. And when that happens, we can't huff and puff about it. We can't be mad that our enemies are now our brothers and sisters and look at them and say, hey, maybe I can at least take their birthright. That's not what this is about. We as the Israelites have to be prepared that some of those are going to become some of us. Some of those that we just can't stand by the grace of God, are going to be made new and brought into this family. 
This prophecy is a means of grace for those today who have yet to say and ask the Lord to make me into who you want me to be. Lord, may your name be exalted and not mine, for I've tried battling for my name for far too long, and I have nothing to show for it. There's still time, and as the Israelites, that means that we have work to do, and we better not slip into the attitude of the Edomites. Just this week, Shelly and and Bob and I were talking, and, and, and we were talking about Scripture and how all of the Old Testament, just, you can't read it and not go, it's pointing to redemption. It's pointing to God's healing of the land and being made new. So today, as we read Obadiah, may we not just point our fingers at our enemies, but may we ask the Lord to search us and say, God, am I an Edomite? Do I care more about the destruction of the other than I do what you would have for me to do? And if so, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. And if I truly am an Israelite, if I am a child of God, then Lord, help me when that Edomite that has picked on me since childhood comes to me and says, will you forgive me? In the same way that Esau returned to Jacob and, 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 and Jacob was, brother, I'm so sorry. If, if we were to read the story in detail, Jacob gave Esau a lot. He just kept, here's cattle and here's more animals and here's, here's my, my best and here's all this. And Jacob kept sending him gifts. And when, he, when Esau finally got a hold of him, he said, brother, Peace be with you, for I have forgiven you. Hmm. So as Israelites, when the Edomites come to us asking for forgiveness, may the Lord soften our hearts and be able to offer that forgiveness and to celebrate with them that the day of the Lord is near and that they won't experience that destruction that we know is coming. As Pastor Josh always, he he preached in one of his first sermons, that as we're climbing this mountain together, may we not get to the top and realize that we're all alone. That we just thought everyone else was an Edomite and belonged at the bottom. But that when we get there, we look around and we say, thanks be to God that I'm on this mountaintop with people that used to be my enemy. Well, this morning, let's, let's just spend a moment in prayer together. Asking the Lord to seek our hearts, to search us, to see if there is, is any, any way within us in which we have slipped into this Edomite tendency. To see if there's any way that we as Israelites need to forgive and welcome others into the fold. Would you pray with me? Father, today... Lord, we appreciate the calmness that you bring. Lord, in this quiet room, would your spirit speak to our hearts? Lord, that we would read this prophecy today and not think, oh, what a mean God. But think, wow, only a God of love would offer opportunity after opportunity for redemption. 
So we thank you for that today. Lord, we repent of the ways in which we have started to like the Edomites. Lord, we pray for the redemption of the Edomites in our lives. Lord, those that we know that are just harshly saying that you are not the way. Lord, would you help us to be conduits of grace, conduits of your love for those that they would see that there is another story that they can belong to. Father, we, we want to celebrate when Edomites become Israelites and not be discouraged that we're not the only one, that it's not all about us. But Lord, make that our encouragement and our joy today. May that be when we celebrate most when another one of your children declares that you are Lord, repents of their sin and confesses that they need you. God, today would you help us? Help us to know who we need to talk to, maybe who we need to forgive, who we need to love on so that they would know that, that yes, judgment is coming, but there's still time for redemption. Seek our hearts today. Would you whisper to us where we need it? And would you just yell at us where we need it, God? Make it obvious to us today. We thank you for your presence that has been so sweet this morning with us. And we ask now, God, that you would guide us and direct us as we go from this place. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and receive a blessing this morning? Today, may you go from this place knowing that the God of the Israelites, the God who wants to redeem the Edomites, is the same God that has met with us today and goes with you now. Would you go in his grace and peace? Amen.